0: This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. And today we're going to conclude our interview with a warden. This is a two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to part A, I would suggest you do so. And welcome to part B. Enjoy this final chapter. Thank you.
1: It can be very intrusive for someone that's never had that done to them before um you know and it can be a very uh, uh dehumanizing experience for a person but it's it's you know in fact it's it's a necessity for for many reasons i mean there are some individuals who come in that may feel that they want to uh, hide, uh contraband items on their person and contraband items could be anything that is uh is not allowed in an institution
0: like what but, are some uh, of the weird things you guys have confiscated at this well, process there have
1: been times when people uh will try and hide drugs in their person mm-hmm. um we're not talking by, about ears no certainly right. not sometimes mm-hmm. it will be uh um, swallowed and affixed to a tooth so they can use fishing line to draw it up sometimes they'll place it inside another cavity which i think everyone would understand that reference mm-hmm. uh and uh, they've, I've even uh, had a person uh, try and hide money in between their toes, thinking that they could use the cash to uh, intimidate, uh, or not intimidate, but to gain favor with someone. Right. So, I mean, different people come in with, the, again, sometimes being influenced by other types of media, they come in thinking what they have to do to pack something in. Got right? yeah. Gain
0: so, recognition within the system anything, right? or Status favors. Status is a big thing. Sure. Okay. So
1: then they're placed in their unit Uh, when they go to the unit. uh, What is uh, supposed to happen is that a staff member on the unit meets with them and goes over the unit rules and regulations, make sure that they have they have an understanding of what uh, what the timings are for the unit, like when people get up, shower routines, eating routines, uh, you know, um, opportunities for uh, um, because that's basically jobs things like that. Decided for them. Initially, yeah. I mean, they can make some, at some point they can, well, all the rules are yes, and then mm-hmm. if they wish to apply for a program uh, or if they wish to apply for a job, there's going to be opportunities for them to do that. Uh, you know, within the first couple of weeks of their being in the institution, they will have, uh, they'll be met by their caseworker. The caseworker will again review all their data, confirm it. Uh, then uh, look at what can they do to try and build a plan towards that individual's release. And that's if they're a sentenced person. And uh, because as soon as they're in, it's not like we're, we're you know trying to rush them out the door, but we need to try and create as much of a plan, an effective case management plan, to at least try and get the individual to confront their... Um, you know, the impacts that have created their criminogenic behavior. Right. right. So, so they're trying to de-escalate that. They're mm-hmm. trying to confront it.
0: And it could be like within your two years plus a day or whatever,
1: two well, years plus a day yes. on. doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter. And, you know, the challenge then becomes like, you know, how many programs are available that that person can can take? And, and those are all the dynamics of what resources are available within the system. So, so
0: would you say most people are receptive to the environment that's there to make them better like with the education or the resources or would you say most people aren't quite interested in that
1: I think that there there are many that are interested in the challenge is is that the resources may not always um, be uh, uh, there may not be as much afforded to them as I think uh, would be desired and by that is that you know, uh, everyone faces challenges about uh, provision of resources, and you know how many uh, programs you can offer to the offenders. It's all you know, in part, money-driven, right? Of course, and, yeah. You know, when you look at funding uh, in a larger public uh, forum, uh, w- when you're going for your budget dollars, you know, you're everyone's competing, right? And right. there's some very worthy ministries out there. And so to say, I need this much money to afford, you know, to offer these programs to offenders and then but we need this money or this much money to give this kind of program to schools or to uh, elder care or to hospitals. It's, you know, there's a lot of public influence about where that money goes and and very healthy discussion in that matter. I mean, for my own personal view is that uh, there is value in creating, a, a, you know, a. An increased investment in programming offenders and by uh, you know offering programs because if you can get them out of the system where they're actually becoming taxpayers then you yeah, are in benefiting fact, society they're, they're benefiting society they're actually returning the investment back in the society mm-hmm. and that's one less person that society has to maintain in an institution and so the dollars actually you could you could see a reduction if we were able to confront that, but it's a hard, uh, it's a hard sell uh, on many fronts. And so uh, the institutions and the, and the field of corrections does the best it can uh, with the resources it has, just like every other public service agency. I believe. For
0: sure. For sure. And do you think that the the inmates that you have in there utilize what maybe minimum resources you have available do you think they are being utilized i think there
1: the... are, there are many in, that uh, do try to utilize them and they're they can often be frustrated if there's a lack of resources
0: right, right? so you get them on board and then and now then, there's a lack
1: of but they can't get onto a, the programs they need in order right. to get released which creates right. a frustration and i don't want to say that as a broad brush but uh it's certainly it's bureaucratic
0: a, though like most it has, industries, right? Well,
1: it has it's, their... a, it, it's challenging, right? It's got
0: some challenges. Yeah. How many inmates? What's like the biggest facility you've worked in? Has it always been males? Have you worked in women facilities? Yes.
1: Uh, as a matter of fact, I've worked with uh, a number of different types of facilities. Uh, you know, those that have been specialized with uh, um, FAS, FAE, uh, we, we, you know, there was one facility I was involved with that that was the only type of And what does that stand there. for? Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Effect. Okay. Um, we also had some individuals there that were under, uh, with cognitive impairments. So they had, okay. um, uh, you know, physical injuries that caused the, uh, caused them, um, not to be able to interact in a, uh, what one would call a more regular operating facility. Those kinds of individuals. So are
0: they high risk? Uh,
1: no, it's not about high risk. It's okay. that if you place them into, into uh, uh, another institution, they in fact are vulnerable, and they could be taken advantage of within a, another institution. Right? So,
0: how many people would be at a facility like this that would have those higher needs or in higher that particular requirements? Facility, we
1: had uh, just around just under two dozen, and the staff were just incredible. They uh, they were very uh, supportive. There was a lot of uh, uh, the ratio was different uh, in that there was almost not not, not quite one on one, but one on three. Oh, interesting! So high offenders. ratio, yeah. And so that you're working a lot with the life skills, and uh, the that was a principally a male institution, and it was a small one. But the the opportunities to work with those uh, those particular offenders were just amazing because they were also very involved with the community, hmm. and the community in you know, to my experience, tend to really have um, a value of these individuals, right? Compassion. Uh, yeah, I think right. compassion would be fair to say. And, you know, when there's not many places where you see people go trick-or-treating to an institution,
0: Yeah, right? I, and maybe. And the uh,
1: the offenders in this particular institution would uh, make their own outfits out of uh, the resources within the center, or right? mm-hmm. they would dye some clothes and, and do their own version of makeup and and it was all under supervision, and of there was, course. there's no, uh, you know, never in, in the time I was affiliated with that institution, was there any risk uh, issues that evolved from it, and, and to the day. So what day, were
0: some of the crimes that these people committed being in that capacity? Well,
1: most uh, you know, I would say most, but there's many of them They're in for, you know, there'd be issues involving uh, improper uses of vehicles. There'd be those that were, uh, you know, carrying weapons, uh, but sometimes it would be for other people okay. so again they were vulnerable on in, in, in the community as much as they were vulnerable inside uh, there would be issues of mental health that caused them to act out and assault people on this uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the community that was undiagnosed that was undiagnosed right? and you're seeing a lot of mental health issues within the institutions far more now uh, than say 30 years ago like you know as I said back uh, when I first started it was a lot of uh, of uh, Addiction issues, and now we're seeing a, a significant amount of uh, mental health issues that have that, that has arisen within. Uh, you know, I think all of society we're seeing it
0: right because um, I mean we just have more people too today, you know, right? So and a lot more. more
1: people. So.
0: so so that one had like a couple dozen. Yeah, and people. then uh,
1: the largest, uh, and I've worked in facilities that have been a few hundred to uh, up to eight hundred people. Wow. You know, it becomes its own microcosm. It's a it's a town within a town within a town. Because, right. Um, given those uh, that when you get as large as that, uh, you also have to look into that. Not everyone will get along, and so there are different units for different classifications of people. Uh, you know, there like
0: are, race or no,
1: ne- never really about demographic race. Demographic uh, for age. You're or? looking at no. We hmm. it's all. uh uh, we believe in the mingling aspect uh, but what you have is that hmm. generally it's about you know maybe like by programs like if you have people that are involved in uh, um, drug and alcohol uh,
0: oh, yeah, like rehabilitation. yeah we'll, okay. we'll have
1: specialized units for that uh, if there are people that are in protective custody because they just cannot uh, interact with anyone else uh, there's a need to keep them isolated for safety reasons so, like, for example,
0: somebody potentially ratted on somebody else. So you yes, you do have that in a that happens. Safe area.
1: There's that, or uh, certain offenses, uh, particular sex offenses, that have, uh, there's kind of a code with the other offenders.
0: Is there really? Cause yeah, I thought so. that was kind of, no, it's really are, true, hey? Yeah,
1: there are certain codes uh, that uh, give you uh, status within a, a system, and then there are those that uh, give You're you not- nothing but disdain. Right, uh, and so you you know. So those... there really
0: is a pecking order oh, yeah. when it comes to the type yeah. of crime. Okay, yeah. interesting.
1: And then of course, uh, because of the gang issues, there are times that we have to separate uh, or try and, and maintain uh, environments for different uh, types of um, threat groups. Right, and they are threat groups because mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, organization of some of these groups has evolved considerably, and there are different things going on in a facility that that uh, these groups want to try and control and it could be all different kinds of, of, of industry. It could be like really protection and you know you'll, your sentence will go well if you pay so much of your you know if, uh, if you pay off these people uh, or if you you know there are those. Does any
0: that... of that work?
1: Well to a degree that, Isn't you know... it
0: bigger though than by the time you're in there hasn't your sentence already been chosen for you? You're just buying your time
1: no when you're inside there's you're doing time but you're also having to you know some people want to uh have it they want to go in and be quiet and they don't want to be noticed but if other people know what you're in there for then they may try and uh leverage it, yeah leverage and they'll do that through protection racket so they'll try and do it through getting you to uh carry drugs or there's all kinds of hmm. different dynamics i mean you just exchanged places from, you know, that which was outside to inside. And, and there's just different lenses that take that take effect. So this is, again, where uh, when I talk about the officers, the role they have is, is integral because not only are they interacting with people on a daily basis, they're problem-solving with them on a daily basis, but they're also try, uh, gathering information on a regular basis so that we can start seeing, right, who's not hanging out with who. Or who's normally you know sitting together for a meal that does right and anymore.
0: who's excluded now and right things like because that. the okay.
1: dynamics human dynamics are are fickle and they change fickle. all the time hmm. you know it's it's almost like mm-hmm. uh, you know in the, the high school setting right who gets along who doesn't right there's social groups within a high school same thing exists even within a correctional facility. even on the
0: construction sites I work on it's still yeah. everybody's in the same playground you all got to get along.
1: Yet there are clicks.
0: Yeah, there's clicks and there's a pecking order, and you yep. know, and certain things don't have to be said, right? right. You can read
1: a group right. of people. Huh. So it just you know, and it's interesting when you're overseeing that kind of an operation because you feel like you're almost like a mayor of a small town. And you're, you know, when I started off as an officer, and it was just you know the dynamics of uh, interacting with the offender day by day, and then but you know throughout my career as I, you know, went into uh, different things, I was in casework, I was doing. Uh, uh, you know training for for a period of time working with other staff to try and uh, you know develop their skills mm-hmm. uh, did administration went in you know did institutions Um so you know there's things that you end up learning like you know you know when they said you know this is why you need to know math back then I never knew the value and then by the time you you know run an institution you realize you know budgets you got to know math so I mean there's a lot of things that um, I never envisioned when I first started my career to where it went uh, that you have to be you know you're constantly having to grow and evolve in, in your style right so when you're managing a group of offenders is one thing then you're managing groups of staff and offenders and balancing that with the needs of the public because there's always a public demand and there's also a senior administrative uh, expectations. Um, there's a lot of different balls in the air as it were and uh, you know it has uh, it's very involved so so give me an idea of who
0: um, some of your like different layers are so you have your inmate then you have your correction officer
1: and then you have your so then okay so you have the offenders you have the uh, the frontline staff, um, the units that, they're, that they work in, are managed by uh, supervisors, and then uh, unit managers, who then work for assistant uh, deputies. Okay, and uh, who are the you know the ones that are that group there from the assistant deputy down are the ones that are principally running the the operations. So and, they on they're site on site at site the facility, 24 hours a day. Okay, but it's a 24-hour action. Right. So then from there you get into the deputy directors who are the, you know, generally speaking, Monday to Friday. And again, mm-hmm. each jurisdiction calls these by different titles, but the structure is fairly similar. Right. So the deputy directors, you'd have them in charge of everything from uh, your uh, human resources to your finance uh, finance administration to mm-hmm. your programs, okay. uh, security and operations, and uh, health care. And those indivi- th- that group of people then reports to the... Uh, director, warden, whatever the title, superintendent mm-hmm. uh, of that institution. And then that person reports to uh, the uh, senior manager, whatever that term will be by jurisdiction, but the senior manager for the entire ministry who then reports to an ADM, deputy minister, and the minister. So as you're, you uh, go up in rank, um, it's almost, uh, you know, it becomes very... Thin at the top, if you will. Of
0: course. Uh, and yeah. the
1: reliance upon the work done by, by those below you uh, is intense. As well as having that respect. And even though you're you're uh, generally considered administrative, there's still a lot of interaction you have with the offenders, even as a, a warden. And, you know, I actually took a lot of pride when I, you know, would, once in a while I would just walk through the facility and I'd talk to the staff or I'd talk to the offenders, um, which is just the style I choose.
0: So, were you in all of those positions to get up to?
1: I was in most all those positions. Wow. Yeah. It was. Uh, I, I was very blessed in my career and, and by the people I worked with. Mm-hmm. And uh, so
0: you had mentors, and you I, mentored. I had some and mentors, succession and then plans. some things
1: were well, not always formalized su- succession plans, but
0: organically.
1: Uh, organically, I right. prefer to use that. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, there's opportunities that were afforded me that uh, I took, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, uh, and challenges that, uh, you know, allowed me to gain new experiences and, you know, and and sometimes there were things that you didn't do as well as you'd hoped. But then again, uh, it was still the experience that you gained to help you evolve as, uh, in that profession.
0: Something that you learned the most of in this environment you worked in? Because you must have seen some pretty crazy things yeah. and learned a lot about yourself and a lot about maybe somebody who you wouldn't expect.
1: When you think about the crazy things, um, you know what, there are times that uh, an event will flash up and no one really saw it coming. And I remember... Uh, At one point in my career where we had um, an altercation break out between two offenders and they were upset with each other because of uh, one was of, of one ethnic group and the other was from another ethnic group and they both felt that the other had offended them from that they ended up attacking each other and as they attacked each other some other people jumped in and then you know it turned into a um you know several people on a unit basically attacking each other and there was only a couple of staff in the in uh, the area at the time and i was so uh, how
0: many people were in this altercation oh, toward the height of it i guess towards
1: the height of it maybe about a dozen wow okay and uh you know, so what the staff? Uh, I was working in uh, what's called the control room, which is where the op- area to operate all the cameras, mm-hmm. all the recording devices, all the gates, the doors. Basically, that's the heart and center, if you will, and sometimes the brain. Uh, if you maintain your being calm and cool and collected as best you can. Right. So this is all starting to happen, and two of my colleagues were working the unit. And so I, at that point, you're you're thinking, like, you got to contain it. So you're locking down the areas. They locked down the areas. They made sure that they were safe, having tried to uh, nullify the situation. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where they knew that if they went in there, then uh, there was no way they could get these guys apart and that they, in fact, would have been harmed.
0: Was there weapons involved or was it only? And amongst the
1: inmates, there was weapons. They okay. had uh, made their own uh, um you know, often here called shanks and shares right, right. and everything else. So they made some items. Uh, and people, generally speaking, there in Mesa, will uh, find most anything to turn into a weapon. Uh, you know, you can use everything from toilet paper to, uh, you know, plastic cutlery that isn't right. found during searches because searches are a big part of every day. You try and find everything you can. But
0: what's uh, missing, right? Yeah, what's missing or mm-hmm. where
1: someone could hide what is, is always a, a challenging task. So, you know, I'm in the, the control room and you just get this and I can't attribute to every situation in life but or to everyone, but you just have this sense of, of calm that you know what you have to do. And so you get into a zone and, you know, I, I start, as I said, I'm shutting down areas, I'm contacting people through the, uh, the radio systems. I'm directing people as the on-site person gets there and the on-site right. would be the supervisor because I wasn't even a supervisor at that time. And the supervisor takes their control of what's going to happen and you get your uh, response team ready, which are the people that would go in with And that, diffuse the And, and diffuse situation. the situation. Right. And you, you go running into this potential uh, situation. And uh, back then, all we had was uh, shields and... Uh, a can of pepper spray and you just hoped you didn't spray yourself because it just it could be a very it's yeah. a very rush kind of moment, right? Right. and, and, and it just Yeah, you don't have a lot
0: up. to plan ahead, right? Right.
1: And it's all self-contained, right? And so uh the you know the two instigators that got this thing going were separated and people then started dropping back trying to you know the offenders tried to Start disassociating themselves. So do you physically
0: and, go in and start removing people from it? That, when
1: the response team went in, they were going in with the shields up and moving okay. people aside, and you know, and the, deploying spray to a couple. Um, and then you had your medics on scene to go and check on those guys because you don't right because you, you don't know what's happened right. And, and some people the way they react, and you just want to make sure respiratory wise that they're going to be okay. And so again, not like you know some people might think from movies is that we you know we just go and and render harm and uh, from a power and control perspective, but it's actually quite calculated when you go in and to diffuse and to check on these people and to make sure that they get uh, healthcare. And uh, there's actually you know, extreme levels of professionalism. So that's why, again, in part. You and
0: know, healthcare, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: that, and that's where you'll, you know, I, I advocate at the aspect of being officers as opposed to guards. Right. Um, but anyway, that's just a personal thing that we've worked on for years. So, everything was was secured and then you have to return the place to normal and this although what happened on one unit it gets around very quickly that all the units start to get a change right Mm -hmm. they all start to you know that some could hear what was happening uh, you know, there's different ways of getting, commu- you know, communication well, throughout I, a building.
0: Right, and I bet you it would kind of change the dynamic, right, And the space throughout. You can just,
1: you know, when you have one of those moments where you feel something in the air, mm-hmm. and that's what you feel. And so, you know, then it's a matter of uh, we had to have a plan in place of making sure it didn't happen again. And so we brought in some other staff. We made sure that people, uh, you know, th- there was a presence. Because when you think about it, you um, you know, in a institution, you know, the ratios are very are, are very different. It may be one officer to 20 people. Mm-hmm. You may have uh, a unit of 90 people and there's only two of you. Right, right?
0: depending on the level of
1: Right, so in one sense they outnumber you, but in another sense you're there to try and maintain control. Right. And so there's this kind of understanding. And that, I think, is, uh, you know, when you're... Uh, when I go back to one of the things that uh, I said earlier in, in this discussion was about respect, and a lot of this is maintained if you evoke a level of respect for other people. You may not like the individual for what they did, but you treat the person with a level a human, of respect, like a human.
0: Humanity. It can humanity. actually
1: assist you, and, I, and I'm not saying you go up and, yeah, you're not going up to hug anyone. You're not. I, <laughs> I don't do that on the street. I, right. Don't even do that that often in families. It's you know, it's, you gotta have respect, and the uh, but you always have to be prepared as well. So, um, you know, anything can happen, and so mm-hmm. you you get this. As I said, going back to that, we managed to de-escalate. We managed to defuse. Um, at the end of it, we also learned from some intelligence that the uh, part of this was coordinated. And that it was actually supposed to be much bigger, and we could have lost the whole institution. Um, but the, you know, everyone doing their job, and I think that's the one of the things I take away from this is that, as a unit, you know, well, as right. a unit throughout, and multiple units acting as a unit mm-hmm. within this institution, everyone did what they needed to do that contained the situation. And right. you think about what could have happened, you try not to dwell on it because that could uh, cause you some restless moments. But you appreciate the people you work with. You appreciate the men and women. Um, I have always been blessed to have uh, great staff to, that I've worked with, uh, I've worked for, and have mm-hmm. worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I tend to look at the you know uh, overall the the pride I have in 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 them and the profession. So.
0: Well, just knowing you for a short period of time, you definitely have pride and. You always speak about your position there with such respect. You're not a hardened person, and you do see the humanity in people. So I appreciate that, speaking with you about your position and kind of what you've seen and witnessed, and you still have this caring nature yeah. to yourself and reflection of it. So it's, it's pretty nice to see. Yeah. As I was interviewing your soon-to-be wife earlier, you guys are getting married next year, and kind of met in the corrections.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was my pen pal. She was your pen pal. Yeah, Uh, very fortunate to have met her uh, um, at 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 an early juncture in my career with the within one of the jurisdictions, And, Mm -hmm. and we worked on a project together, and of which she'd have little to do with me, but that was because of her high level of professionalism. Um, and, uh, over time we worked on another project, uh, together and, um, I, you know, was very impressed uh, by her and, uh,
0: she's got a pretty charismatic, um, personality. She likes to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty magnetic. She yeah. is standing in the room now. Yeah, well, with and, everybody I, and knows. I fear her, but that's how I've been You trained. fear her quietly yeah, or as a, loudly? No, as, a,
1: as a good potential husband, I've been trained well. <laughs> um, I, I, like I said, I've seen things flash up, but uh, was, <laughs> I'm told it's different in marriage somewhat. It can be. Yeah, but we uh, were very fortunate, and uh, she was uh, very supportive during some of the challenging uh, moments of my career, and, mm-hmm. and uh You know there's highs and lows and and families everything and i've been very fortunate um, for the last number of years to have her as a partner and uh, she's been very supportive uh, during some very uh, challenging moments and uh, you know it's if everyone uh, in service could have that kind of benefit uh, uh, they would be so lucky uh, because uh, there's so much that you get exposed to that could make you hardened and i appreciate your kind words earlier uh, you, you try and remember to be human and uh, sometimes people get lost in that and uh, the job can affect them um, in, in very adverse ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the things that uh, I even advocate today. Um, I'm in another career now, but I still talk to people about the fact that, is that when you're going through things, find people to talk through. And even with my, uh, uh, my current uh, partner, there are things I will and will not talk to her about job or about the job, mm-hmm. but that's not, that, that's because there's also, um, you, you need a delineation about what should and should not impact your, your family and your life. Yeah, your whole life. Yeah, and there right. are other professionals that one can deal with, and I, I always urge people, and that could be like if an organization has EFAP or, oh, sorry, employee family assistance programs or wellness programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I'm a, a staunch advocate for that when I first started, never existed in many of the law enforcement fields and I was part of that generation that was influenced by the John Wayne you know just don't let them see you cry cowboy kind of thing and and then you'd be subjected to some pretty horrendous things of where you see humans uh, harming others in ways that uh, you thought was only in movies and uh, the level of uh, aggression and uh, physical brutality that that they uh, place upon each other is just is, is almost like Lord of the Flies. And then you right. go home, right? And you deal with it. And you, and you try it.
0: to close your eyes yeah, and it. Yeah, and sleep. you deal with
1: it, right? And, um, you know, it's, uh, again, a uh, great amount of uh, pride in those staff uh, that, that continue in that field. And and, and all um, their yeah,
0: support system, and, their and wives and, and sisters. And, and, yeah,
1: and, and they have to make sure, you know, it's, it's like anything else. It's any of those fields. You have to find something where you can... Um, disassociate from the job have that rational detachment as i spoke of earlier mm-hmm. so that the job is the job and, and life is life and well I'll really be able to
0: compartmentalize life. some of that right and compartmentalize in, when in a healthy way and... And... right
1: yeah but you also have to really enjoy life and one of the things you know, i look at is that uh you know that offender base they can't take some of the enjoyment that i have every day right mm-hmm. because of the choices that they've made uh, but those are the choices they made right well, thank you. Hey, thank you. Appreciate your time. Always.
0: Welcome to the family.
1: That's not almost foreboding, but thank you.
0: It's not voting. It's perfect. Uh,
1: isn't this way the dun, 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 dun.
0: Thank you, Darren. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And let me know what you think about today's interview by leaving me a comment or ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Blueberry, or TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music for this show is provided through GarageBand, and Darren's love for jazz influenced our pick today using the jazzy down-tempo. The podcast is produced by me, Valerie, through WordPress and GarageBand. Coming up on the next episode, an interview with an expat, Michael Swain, born right here in Calgary at the General Hospital. His experience with Stampede, later in life achieving his master's in business administration, then moving across the world in search of life experiences, landed him a professor position with a commerce school in Doha, Dubai. Thanks for listening.
1: Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.